another edition of the OKC82 podcast. Brady Trantham here alongside Mr. Jerry Ramsey via the Zoom uh, computer machine. So, Jerry, I mean, you basically, you basically just said it before we started recording. There's really not that much to talk about. The Thunder were playing the worst team in the bubble. But please, just go ahead and repeat what you told me because, <laughs> I mean, that's basically all that needs to be said. There are a few things, and we'll get into that. But go ahead, Jerry. Here we go. We're on the first of a back-to-back, right? I mean, tomorrow you're playing Phoenix, and you're playing Phoenix early at like 1.30. Uh, Billy Donovan decides to go with a donut uh squad today not having steven adams i'm sure i'm i'm hoping and speculating that that is precautionary uh also the same with nerland's noel uh so he starts musky straight off the concussion protocol and uh it's against the worst team in the bubble and i kind of put this on twitter brady is you don't get many get right games in the bubble everybody there is fighting for something so the fact that they played against the washington wizards today uh coming off a just horrible performance against memphis and three of the worst quarters you'll ever see the thunder play um and then with a complete turnaround tomorrow uh in about 24 hours I just, there's just that i mean what can you say about this except for the oklahoma city thunder were better they needed to get things right and they got a lot of things right yeah exactly um it's like you said you're not really afforded a lot of bounce back opportunities in the bubble just because you're these are the, the cream of the crop of the teams in the NBA, except for a, a few of them, like Washington, for example, uh, Sacramento, San Antonio, even though those teams are still kind of tough outs on any given night, the Thunder had the luxury of having their bounce back game uh, after probably one of their top three worst performances all season long. I mean, you go back to the uh, Indiana game on the road at the beginning of the season when the Thunder just got run out of the gym. You go back to the Milwaukee performance on the road. Memphis is right up there the other yes. day. And, of course, there were caveats that not having Steven Adams didn't help anything. Not having Dennis Schroeder, we've talked over and over about how that's affected the offense once the Thunder have to get into uh, deeper into their rotations during a game. Having said that, they, they could have played today without – they could have played today without Lou Dort. I mean, just name another starter or another uh, high guy off the bench. They could have played without that player and still would have won by 20 points. The, the Wizards stink. They're – they're an awful basketball team. They don't have Bradley Beal. Uh, they don't obviously. They obviously don't have John Wall. No Davis. Davis Bertans. Um, they're just a bad team. The Thunder made them look foolish all game long. Um, having said that, Jerry, you know because you know you you try to remind me as much as possible. Uh, being a former basketball player yourself, <laughs> even even when you're playing against air, yes, like you can you can learn so much when you're playing against a different opponent you can take away a few things, even if that different opponent is Washington and they're awful. And I think the biggest thing to take away from this game, Jerry, is just SGA had a better offensive performance on paper. And that, that to me is the most important thing because who knows how long Dennis Schroeder is going to be gone. Um, however, I did see somebody on Twitter put out that apparently Dennis Schroeder, who was a virtual fan today, yes. game – Apparently, and I didn't know this. Apparently, you can talk to other virtual fans during the game, like on the computer. Uh-huh. And apparently, Dennis Schroeder told some virtual fans in his section that he was planning on coming back tomorrow and that he only has to quarantine for four days because he's tested negative every day. So we, we will find out, I'm sure, when Dennis is back. And we'll probably talk to Billy Donovan tomorrow pregame. So we will know a little bit more about that. But, um, SGA had a better game. He had a better offensive game, and that's been the 
the theme of the last three games for the Thunder is that he's been bad. Fortunately for the Thunder, they were able to play the Lakers, who just didn't give a crap uh, last week. I mean, you look at, uh, what, 18-7-6 and six is what he had today. And listen, uh, SGA is going to go through this, ups and downs. He's going to go ups and downs uh, because <clears throat> he's not the number one option in Oklahoma City right now, and he's the future. It's a weird thing. Uh, I mean, you talk about in college football, uh, a coach in waiting, right? So this guy is a superstar in waiting. Honestly, that's what he is. And a lot of uh, Oklahoma City guys, including yourself, like to hype him up to be like the next coming of the next generation of Thunder superstars. I mean, I'm not, am I misquoting you there? I don't want to make no, – that's kind of what you're thinking, right? That um, he's going to be a, a part of the pack of the future. Make no mistake. I don't think that – I think it's way too early to just sit here and say that SGA is going to be like a top five player in the NBA like once he reaches his prime. I don't know if – I think it's probably too early to make a claim like that. But what I do think is that him as the face of the franchise – him being the model of what the Thunder want to do, I think that that's where the yeah. Thunder want to go. They don't want to have an ISO-heavy, high-usage-rate best player on the team because we've seen where that has taken the Thunder and it has a ceiling. I think they want to pivot and go in a different direction. I think SGA is perfect for that uh, new direction. And I'll tell you what, the luxury of uh, grooming this guy and still fighting for a top-four pick in the conference, I mean, it just doesn't happen that, uh, that much around the league. So uh, kudos to the you know, organization for doing what they're doing. And I have been uh, critical, and I've critiqued uh, SGA all season long when he's played incredibly well, which he did at the beginning of the bubble. I talked about it. And then we've all seen him sort of struggle here in the last week or so, uh, especially without Dennis Schroeder. And look, at this time of season – and I think it's funny. We're not going to play 82 games. Now. What's the total number? That 72. They're actually, 72? Yeah, so, so this is the OKC 72 podcast. By you need way. to put like a little X in that number and put 72 <laughs> and root next to it. Um, but you're that far along in the season, Brady, and I know that they had uh, a break, and I know that they're on the bubble, but you get this far along with the group, and yes, the shuffling around of no Adams, no Schroeder, uh, stuff like that, it's going to mess with you. And it, we've just seen uh, Shea – just sort of, you know, the worst of what Shea can be, which, by the way, if that's the worst he can be, it's still, it's still a pretty good building block. Yeah, exactly. Now, I guess we'll, let's wrap a bow on the whole SGA thing as it, as it concerns you and me. Um, I've always thought that the cr criticism that you had of him all season long, I just didn't know if it applied because that's not what SGA's role for this team in 2019-20 was, was him initiating the offense. Now, like, could you pick some spots and it applies? Sure. Like at the ends of games where the Thunder are clearly trying to go to him and the shot just isn't falling or he's not getting to the rim. I get that. He's young. That should get better over time. But where it applies now, because there is no Dennis Schroeder and there hasn't been a substantial amount of time going back into the season where Chris Paul was out for a while. He only missed one game all year long or Dennis was out for a while. This is the most substantial time that we've seen SGA half or be forced to run the offense. And, man, even against the Wizards, Jerry, it is so apparent when Chris Paul's off. Like, you can just be barely paying attention to the Thunder game, and all of a sudden the offense just slows down. And it's, it's whenever SGA's running the offense. Now, having said that, I was super surprised when I pulled this up during uh, the game because, you know, we've talked about how SGA's struggled offensively for the last few games. And I thought that his shooting numbers around the rim would probably be atrocious. So I just, sure. went, ahead, I just went ahead and went through the Denver game, the, the Lakers game, the Memphis game. And then the, at the time, the first half 
of today's game. And then I, at the, at the end of the game, I added everything up. He's actually shooting nine of 17 at the rim. So it's not a bad percentage. I think the question is, and this, this might be kind of silly considering Dennis Schroeder is probably going to come back fairly soon. I mean, 17 attempts at the rim. A is, do you think that that's his game? B, is that too low of a number for four games, just 17 attempts at the rim? And do you think it's because he's probably trying to find himself offensively because he's somewhat fallen in love with the step back three, even though today he only took two threes, missed both of them, but I'm glad he didn't try to shoot himself into rhythm, if that makes sense. Now, context is everything, and, and, and when he took the shots and all that great stuff or whatever, but if you look at that, that is one drive to the bucket a quarter, basically. Yeah. Right? You look at that, 17 over four games. Take away one, that's 16, four games. That's four each game. There's four quarters in each game. Listen, I'm not a math major. I'm really not. I used my fingers to do all that. But, yeah, that's too low, Brady, especially whenever you're missing a key component to your offense and you're the guy that's supposed to step up into it. Yes, that is too low. And then, too, Brady, do you want to uh, go back and maybe look at film session that one of those drives and attempts at the rim is a pump fake you know, spin on his pivot foot, just yeah. squirrely little move. And, and the problem that I've, I've, I've had or whatever, and that's kind of strong to say, but the critique I've had of this young man is when he's getting to the bucket, it's not a strong move that's either going to send him to the line or he's going to finish strong. That's, that's my critique of the guy. So, yeah, I think that 17 is uh, a too, you know, too small of a, a going to the rim for this guy. It really is, uh, especially with his length and his athleticism under the rim. He's not explosive, but his athleticism is craftiness around the rim. He needs to be going to the bucket a lot more. We saw it for a little bit, and then it's just sort of uh, just, uh, to, it, it sort of went away uh, because, like you said, I think he's getting uh, very, very, uh, very okay with that step back jumper, which is it's sweet looking when it goes in, but. Oh, yeah. He needs to get to the rim more. Yeah, I mean, SGA is an incredibly talented offensive player. I mean, make no mistake. I mean, we're, we're like, really hyper-focusing on the, the small little sample size because these games are somewhat more important than the uh, regular, regular end of the season. Um, and this is the, the longest that we've been able to see SGA have to initiate the offense back-to-back-to-back. Having said that, I think he – I think he overcompensates on the fact that, yeah, he's not the fastest guy in the gym. So he tries to outmaneuver and be crafty with the ball in his hands once he gets deeper into the paint. And at times it just bogs down him and it bogs down the offense. Um, I just, I feel like, I mean, at this point, and this might be kind of a hot take, but I have more, I have more confidence whenever Lou Dort, Danilo Gallinari, who rarely drives. I think he probably drives to the basket maybe once every two or three games. Lou Dort, Danilo Gallinari, and let me think, maybe even a guy like Darius Baisley. They show a little bit more assertiveness when they're driving to the basket, whereas SGA is still trying to figure it out when he's too deep into the paint. And I think that that's just kind of a – I think that that's more of a sign of he's still trying to figure out how to do this because he hasn't had to do it. So I would say long-term – that's a much better. Um, that's a much better sign because once he gets the hang of it, I think he'll show a little bit more assertiveness. At this point, he's still trying to figure it out. Okay, so I mean, listen, we we gave all the time to the superstar in SGA, but we're burying the lead about this Washington. This is a, this is a prime time to showcase two of our favorites, Muskie and Baisley, right? Oh yeah, Darius Baisley with the career high 
uh, Mike Muscala uh, starting off sizzling hot. And, and Brady, if you're going to have a throwaway game, and, and that's kind of how I feel about this thing. Of course, it, you know, it goes towards the seedings, and I get all that. But if you're going to have a game like this, I want to see two guys that are role players get a big featuring role. And I think Muskie and I think uh, Darius Baisley had tremendous games today for whatever it's worth. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, Mike Muscala got things going. I think he hit uh, three threes to start the game. Kind of cooled off from there, but he was still incredibly active um, on the floor, moving around, trying to get screens, um, running the baseline. Just He was all over the floor. And that's kind of what Mike Muscala is supposed to bring to the table. So that's not really surprising, but it's always good that when you have a player that's been in concussion protocol for a few days, is able to come back and just start things off hot and running. How important is it for the Thunder moving forward? It just really depends on who the Thunder see in the first round of the playoffs because there are some teams where you think, hey, they could really use Mike Muscala as, they, as a backup five, as a four that can stretch the floor because he can definitely do that as he showed today. But then there are going to be some teams where Mike Muscala may, may not even see the light of a day on the floor. So, I mean, it's just important to have guys at the end of your bench stay engaged, and a game like this is perfect for that. But on to Darius Baisley, it's interesting with him, Jerry, because I think we're both – fairly high on him uh, long-term. And even in the short-term, he's shown a lot of promise, um, more so than some other past rookies for, this th- for the Thunder franchise, that once we get to the postseason, their minutes start to dwindle, their impact starts to dwindle, if they even had any going back to the regular season. But I, I think he was 0 for 7 from the three-point line against Memphis. He just kept shooting. Yeah. And it kind of added to the Thunder, oh, my God, they, they took 43 attempts against Memphis and hit 15 of them. Like, they were terrible. And today he takes eight three-pointers, so Billy Donovan apparently doesn't mind him taking those shots because he hits five of them, is eight of 13 overall, career-high 23 points, seven rebounds, just kind of had his fingerprints all over the game, Jerry. And again, just talking about how Mike Muscala needs to stay engaged and having a game like this is great for him. It's really good that Darius Baisley was able to have this getting closer into the uh, – as we get closer to the postseason because the last two games against the Lakers – and especially the Grizzlies, like Baisley's production was about to slip fairly rapidly, but today was a good return to form. This isn't what he is in the short term, but it's good to kind of recalibrate everything, if, if that makes sense. Uh, Baisley talking about uh, his time at center today. Uh, he says, uh, not much of a like or dislike. I just like having the opportunity to be on the floor with my team. Um, Billy Donovan talked about it where uh, eventually he's going to want to use Baisley maybe at some spot five. And unfortunately for Billy, he's had to sort of push that up a little bit in the last couple of games. Uh, but I mean, when you talk about Brandon uh, Clark and, and the kid from Philadelphia, Theibel, uh, Matisse Theibel, uh, those are two guys, I think that you and I in particular, uh, really were hoping that the Thunder could get uh, eyeballs on as far as rookies. So if you get an intern from New Balance on your team, he better, he better look dynamic and he better look good. And I'll tell you what, uh, I have some envy when it comes to uh, seeing some of these other rookies around the league. But man, when Darius has a game like this where he can play the five and he can shoot five threes and shows all that versatility, and I'll be honest with you, uh, Brady, I kind of like the idea of Billy playing with him as a uh, playmaker, you know, in the future. Uh, if there was oh, yeah. a summer league, I would love for him to give the ball to uh, Darius to see if he could play some sort of point forward or whatever. But the versatility is there and the kid's attitude and uh, work ethic is fantastic. Quote unquote, the Thunder way. But uh, I'm buying what's on the court right now for sure. 
Oh, yeah. I have no doubt that even as it stands right now, like I don't know if the NBA is going to have some type of summer league. Obviously, it's not going to take place during the summer, but I don't know if they're going to be able to have some developmental league just like the summer league. But I have no doubt right now that if they just decided, hey, Darius, we're going to make you point forward in the five, six summer league games that we'll play, I have yep. no doubt that he would be able to perform at a high level because you can, you can see it even at times in the NBA. He's not able to consistently do it, but I think that's where his career is, of course, trending. But uh, this again, we have to remind everybody, the Washington Wizards, especially without their top guys, this is a roster of who he played for. <laughs> you got <laughs> Isaac Bonga. Everybody knows who Rui Hachimura is. Like, it depends on when I catch the Wizards and when do I actually catch them is another question. But there are times <laughs> where I'm like, you know what, I like Rui. And then there are times like today where I'm like, what can he do? For the like in today's NBA, uh, Thomas Bryant, Troy Brown Jr. Everybody remembers Ish Smith played for the Thunder. He got a cup of coffee. He also got dunked on by Russell Westbrook. Um, Jerry and Grant, Jeremy Grant's uh, is it his brother or their cousin? I think it's his brother. Okay, yeah, I think it's his brother. I, I think so. I mean, if not, I mean, right? Yeah, <laughs> like you said, who we play for? <laughs> yeah, Admiral Schofield, one of the best names in the league. Ian Mahimney, who used to have the worst contract in the league, and that's now shared by his teammate John Wall. Um, but I, I guess, like, yeah, I mean, the Wizards suck. The Thunder had a good bounce back performance against a bad team. I think, though, I could be wrong, but just looking at the rest of the schedule, I think the Thunder guarantee that they can't fall to the seven seed now. So at least they took care of business. And I know there's no home court advantage. Seeding doesn't really matter. But if the Clippers are, in fact, going to hang on to the two seed, and who knows if that's even going to be the case because they keep screwing around. Yeah. But if they're able to hold on to the two seed, the Thunder at least increased their ceiling by getting into that sweet spot where potentially they don't have to face the L.A. teams in the first round. Uh, and you look at it, uh, honestly, uh, is there a quote-unquote better matchup for the Thunder? There's really not. You either had to play Denver, who's an incredible matchup. You had to play Houston, which emotionally uh, is an incredible matchup. Or you had to play Utah, which, you know, I say is Oklahoma State's biggest rival right now uh, when it comes to the NBA. So I don't know if there's a good matchup uh for the Thunder. So you just play and um, try not to get too cutesy with it. And wherever the wherever you fall, whether it be four, five, six, or whatever, just look who's in front of you and then uh, go from there. And I guess last thing, Jerry, before we kind of wrap a bow on this game, um, at what point are you going to start buying into Hamadou Diallo being a consistent guy off the bench? And, and I ask that just because in Hami's short career with the Thunder, he's inconsistent. However, if we go back to the beginning of this season, before he got hurt, I thought, he, wow, he has made strides defensively, athletically even. Um, he's fine-tuned his offensive game. He's kind of refined and understood, okay, this is what I can do, so let me just try and do that instead of just park myself in the corner and just be a 3 and D guy, even though that may not be my ceiling. I thought he made all those strides. Then he gets hurt, and then once he comes back, it was – very apparent that it was hard for him to reintegrate himself back into the rotation on a consistent level. But since the hiatus, um, Hamadou has just been a breath of fresh air off the bench today. He was five of seven. Um, I think he took that one spot up three pointer where we even both agreed if he's wide open and Chris Paul SGA finds him, he's going to have to shoot it. You have to, yep. um, but most of his game is above the rim going down um, downhill towards the basket. Um, only had one foul today, and I'm actually trying to look up how many times he's fouled um, since the uh, return to play. Since the restart? 
Yeah, since the restart, because I don't think he's really had a game where he's been that much in foul yeah. trouble. I could be wrong, but I mean, at what point, Jerry, now we're four or five games into the restart. I mean, at what point are you going to are at what point are you going to be with Hamidou Diallo where you're just like, no, this is what he is. He's a consistent uh, guy off the bench to the point where when he's on the floor, I expect him to do a job and not make a fool of himself, basically. Six rebounds is the one that really pops out at me. He has six rebounds. And so, yeah, both you and I agree that the jump shot is something to be desired right now. And, you know, you're sort of crossing your fingers whenever he lets it go because, you know, does it look good? Does it not? Because it doesn't every single time just because that nasty little hitch. But if he's going to rebound, if he's going to play defense, and I'm telling you what, uh, one of those dunks, and he had a beautiful one off of a dish uh, in the game, is worth its weight in gold and momentum. It is. Whenever you're trying to manufacture energy, and there, there are no fans, I get it, uh, but when you're trying to manufacture ener- energy, this kid comes in and does something like that with a big timer. And he is. He's boxing out, and he's rebounded. These aren't just, you know, uh, off of jump shots that are falling to him. He's boxing out, and he's getting in there, and he's he's trying to get some work done. So I like what he, I like what he does. And honestly, uh, where was the production of Terrence Ferguson going to come from that was an expectation? Because you just can't have a guy that goes 0 for 6 one game and then, you know, 3 for 7 the next. I mean, yeah. Terrence Ferguson was a roller coaster. I think he sort of, you know, levels what Terrence Ferguson can do. So the two of them together, kind of, it, it's deep, you know. You got 12 fouls, uh, you know, between them, and that's going to come in handy whenever you talk about those wing spots and they're going to have to be on the floor covering somebody that's going to be able to score. I just, I, I like the idea that he is physical, he's athletic, and as long as he rebounds and, you know, he's shooting a high percentage, five of seven is fantastic, Brady, and I understand it's the Wizards, but, you know, give me three or four, three for four, or give me, you know, two for four and five rebounds. I'll take it every single time. Uh, I think Hami has found a little niche. No, exactly. And I, I just checked. He had four fouls against the Lakers, but I don't ever remember that being a, a problem. Like the Lakers didn't care, especially in the second half. He had three fouls against the Jazz. Other than that, he's had one foul or no fouls in a game. So he's seriously cleaned that up. And I'm glad you brought up that that point about Terrence because that's mainly like when we're asking about consistency and dependability of Hamdu Diallo, I think the main thing is just when we're asking that question is, can we depend on him on – both on both ends of the floor, more so than we could with Terrence Ferguson. The sample size is too small because Terrence Ferguson started for two years. I get that. But I didn't think going into this, even though Terrence Ferguson was going to be able to have all that stuff off the floor behind him, I did not expect Terrence Ferguson to be as consistent as Hamadou Diallo has shown in this restart. I also didn't expect Hamadou Diallo himself to be this consistent. So I think that when we ask that question, can he be better than Terrence Ferguson? Thus far, I think Hamadou Diallo has been that. Uh, you know what? I, honestly, you throw both of them out there at some point in the game. Whoever is hot, you go with them, both defensively and uh, whatever they can contribute offensively. But uh, it just gives uh, Billy another tool in the toolbox. I, I, I absolutely love it for the Oklahoma City Thunder because it, you know, it's the difference between having eight guys that you can trust to ten guys you can trust. And especially – who know, I mean, who knows uh, how real or, you know, how severe these injuries or, you know, bumps and bruises are for the Thunder. But if they lose somebody, I mean, you got a, a nice tackle box to reach into and get somebody. Jerry, are you looking forward to doing uh, some sports radio concerning college football and a pregame show at the same time tomorrow? <laughs> what is everybody freaking out about? I mean, yeah, so what? Oklahoma the, the has Mac- – 
Oklahoma had a Saturday night, 10 o'clock news dump about, yeah, all the players have gone home. We haven't practiced all week. I mean, it's the Mac, you know, the, was it the Pioneer, the Mac, the big sky? Yeah, the sky literally is falling. Yes, oh, I know. No. I get it. But uh, yeah, the big, was it the Big Ten are going to go back in a room and order some deli and talk about, you know, what they're going to do again? And listen, here's what I really think. And, and I'm going to, th- nice little college football uh, snippet in our pod here. Uh, here's what I really think. All this do, is doing is leading to uh, the Power Fives uh, autonomizing and just dropping oh, yeah. the NCAA right on their butt. And it was going to happen, I think, in the 2020s. But all this does is accelerate uh, those Power Five uh, you know, conferences just going, why do we even need this governing body? We can do it ourselves. That's, exactly. that's what I think. And that's going to be the big story of the day. But like you said, the Thunder are going to play one of the hottest teams, if not the hottest team in the bubble. Oh, the hottest. The hottest team in the – and listen to this. Devin Booker is playing for his free agency life. He already has guys out there literally tampering to get him on their team. I mean, come on. you got to love – being Devin Booker, uh, right, he asked backwards his way into the All-Star game, uh, but very deservedly so. He was an All-Star this year. Uh, and no one is hotter in that bubble than Devin Booker and those Phoenix Suns. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what Billy Donovan and the, and the Thunder are cooking up for him. This will be a really good test for Hamidou Diallo and Lou Dort. Uh, Devin Booker's a different type of player than what we, we've typically seen Lou Dort have success against. Um, Devin Booker's, of course, not a guy that's going to try and run through you. That's what Lou Dort kind of likes. Like, go ahead and try. Um, so that'll be a good test. I'm going to assume Steven Adams will be good tomorrow. Cause like you said, I think this has all been kind of precautionary. They didn't need him at all against the wizards. So, uh, probably expect Steven Adams. We will find out if Dennis Schroeder does in fact return tomorrow. And if he does return tomorrow, I think that that puts him on schedule to potentially play in the Thunder's final game against the Clippers on Friday before the playoffs start. So that's of course good to get him reintegrated back. But, uh, Jerry, thanks you for jumping on OKC82, and we look forward to the college football talk and, of course, pre- and post-game tomorrow. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Awesome. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to OKC82, and until tomorrow around the same time, we will talk to you later.